Um, can you hear me, Chad? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, cool. Well, I am rolling. Um, I'm talking to Tamara. She's the former Sony employee who I spoke to in episode one of this series. Can you tell me about the HR response? Yeah, of course. Uh, so I reported this to HR. and She's telling me about a day a few years ago. And on this day that she's describing, she's sitting in a windowless office on the third floor of the Sony building in Sydney, across from a HR representative. And... He asked me what happened in detail and was writing notes down in his notebook. And She tells him that someone senior to her had told her that he'd be doing her performance review the next day and that if her review was based on her physique, she'd get top marks. I disclosed, you know, the incident word for word, this is what happened to me. But then as she tells her story, something strange happens. And I'll never forget it. I swear he had kind of a look of relief on his face. She's surprised because this isn't the way that she thought things were going to go. That's because initially, when she'd first raised the issue with HR but hadn't spoken about the specifics, the response had been very different. There were promises of promotions. They had paid me out, I think, $3,500 Uh, in phone bills owed to me for, you know, two or three years since I'd been there. Uh, They were just finding ways of supporting me. But now the HR representative has a look of relief on his face and Tamara starts to work out why. To the minute they found out what had happened, they just stopped caring at that point in time because they had real. it was as if they had realised the severity of it was far different from what they thought it was. And now, looking back years later, all I can think is that at the time, I think they thought it was something much more sinister and they potentially had thought I'd been sexually assaulted or raped. From Schwartz Media and 7am, I'm Ruby Jones, and this is Everybody Knows. For months, I've been investigating the way women at Sony Music Australia have been treated. Tamara was the first to share her story, but today you'll hear from three other women who used to work at Sony and who all left because of their experiences there. I can't imagine people being so cruel for no reason. I didn't do anything to him. He really changed. He, he really just, you know, hated me. It became then just a series of taunting and gaslighting. They all experienced bullying and intimidation from the same man at Sony. And that man, he still works for the company in a senior role. This is the first time that any of these women have told their stories publicly. And taken together, they speak to a pattern, a pattern of abuse, a pattern of misogyny, a toxic pattern that every woman who I've spoken to from Sony has experienced in some form. There's a reason these women have decided to talk to me now. And that's because Sony recently launched an investigation into workplace culture at its Australian branch. Two of these women have lodged complaints to Sony as part of that investigation. They thought their stories might finally be heard and taken seriously. 
it was abuse of power, you know, and um, I felt like I needed to be part of that narrative and telling my side of what was going on and I didn't really want it to just go into the abyss and to not be said. But the longer the investigation has gone on, the more they've wondered, is anyone listening? And can this company be trusted to do the right thing? This is episode four, The Complaints. I've hit record. And with my producer, Ruby, we're in our recording studio. Okay, so Dennis Hanlon has left Sony. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this internal investigation, which I don't know a lot about at this point. There's not a huge amount of detail. Yeah, I think it's just at this point we know it's being run by New York not by Australia, into yes. the Australian branch. Yes, so it's being run by the the global head of human resources. Mm-hmm. In June this year, Dennis Hanlon leaves Sony Australia after more than three decades as chief executive. Stories are published about a toxic culture at the company. An investigation is launched by Sony's American head office. According to this report... They've also engaged an external counsel mm-hmm. to conduct the investigation and it covers allegations of bullying, harassment, racism and discrimination. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's about it at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I imagine that there, there must be probably quite a few women lodging complaints at the moment. More and more women are seeming ready to talk about their experiences at Sony. So we make a plan to start reaching out to all of our sources and to try and widen our net even further. Yeah, I wonder, I mean, there'd be a lot of people who I know who would be wondering, I think, whether or not they should lodge a complaint. Mm. So I'm going to send some texts and call a few people Mm. and just see what they make of it. One of the women who I reach out to around this time is Jo. I've probably got a bit more time now. I'm not as, like, crazy booked up, so that's good. The first time that we speak, she's candid and confident. Yeah, I think I'd probably get, like, a medal or something. (laughs) (laughs) And she starts telling me about a man, a colleague from her time at Sony. This is the man at the centre of this story. All of the women that you're about to hear from have experiences with him. We had a lot of fun. We always joked at parties. We had this dance that we would do. Like, I mean, we were, you know, we had a great rapport for, you know, the first four years. Jo says at first this man, he seems to want to help her succeed. And he wasn't ever my direct report at any time, but he just sort of seemed to believe in me and push me forward. And he did that. It seemed like he did that for quite a few of the junior staff and the interns. He seemed to be quite supportive. For years, this is their relationship. He helps her when she runs into barriers at Sony, of which there are many as a junior employee in marketing. That was all really good. And then I'm not sure what happened in like around 2015, 2016, but uh, I very much felt he was very cold. Without warning, this man's attitude towards Joe does a complete 180. 
you know, he'd kind of smirk or like I just felt he was kind of mocking me and I and like was just really rude and didn't want anything to do with me. And again, she says she began to feel uncomfortable around him. She tells me about one time in particular when she needed to get some headphones from him. Like making me come into his office and I kind of had to like lean over the table and take it. It was just like a really gross interaction, you know, like it was just, a, it was designed to lord it over me and kind of make me feel small or that I was begging. Joe puts up with this for a while. But then the bullying goes from making her feel uncomfortable to feeling unsafe. It happens at a music festival. She's trying to leave at the end of the night with the other employees. But this man, he tells her that she can't get into the company van. It was really scary because I really thought they were going to leave me there in the dark, in the middle of the night, 35,000 people in a field and just leave. And I don't know actually what I would have done at that point. She says it seems pointlessly mean. And I think that incident was kind of the, the worst part of it all. It just made me feel like this isn't the place for me because I can't, like, I can't imagine people being so cruel for no reason. I didn't do anything to him. Joe never figured out why she was treated this way. But at the time, she doesn't see things improving and she doesn't really see a way to solve the situation. Did you ever consider speaking to HR about anything that was happening? No, I never did. Nobody ever got anything positive come out of a complaint or, you know, anything. So I just think if you don't see that evidence there, you're not going to try it yourself because, as I said, it didn't cross my mind. Not long after this, Jo leaves Sony. She realises she's just not going to get anywhere in the company. She moves to Canada. She starts her own company. I'm not afraid. I'm not. They can't touch me. They can't touch my career or my passion for music. But she hasn't made a complaint to Sony's internal investigation about this man. That's because she doesn't think it would go anywhere. Her experiences at Sony haven't left her with any faith. I figured given it was like an internal investigation, if they don't like the results, they're probably just not going to do anything about it. But the reason she's talking to me is... This man, he's still at Sony. And he's senior. She says she's heard talk about promotions that he might get. I thought it was probably a better use of my time to talk to any journalist who wanted my story and that just to have it be out in the public for anyone who's interested. So here are the complaints. Thank you. Okay. Right, so this one uh, was lodged in June? Yeah. And this one in... August. Okay. Other women, aside from Joe, have made complaints about this man. So I might take this one first. Okay, so she's specifically naming this man, who's the same man that Joe was telling me about. Yes. Um, and the other complaint names him as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, how are they feeling about going on the record? Pretty nervous. Yeah. And I think at this point, 
we should almost rule out them going on the record. Okay. They've both lodged complaints anonymously and they I think they'd be happy to talk to us anonymously as well, but that would mean changing their voices, changing their names. Yeah, I mean, we could do that. We could distort their voices. Yeah. And so why do you think that they have made these complaints? I think mostly because that man is still there. Mm. So this recording, we're going to anonymize it, will distort um, you so that no one can kind of tell what your voice sounds like. Yeah. And how do you feel about all of that? Do you feel comfortable with it? Yeah, I do. I feel as as comfortable as I feel in my discomfort. <laughs> this is Jessica. That's not her real name. She started working for Sony Music Australia as a manager in the late 2000s. The first time I heard her story, I heard parallels to Joe's, like in the way that she describes her initial impressions of this man. He's very funny and, you know, tells a good story and and was someone who, who, it can be quite charming. At first, Jessica and this man, they have a really good working relationship, just like Joe and him. But one day, without warning just like with Joe, his attitude completely changes. It was towards, you know, the back end of my time there and it was fairly sudden in that, you know, people look different when they're angry (laughs) and, you know, their face just changes and he really changed. He, He really just you know, hated me. Unlike Joe, Jessica regularly works with this man. He has more power over her day-to-day life. And he begins cutting Jessica out of all professional communications. It's like emails, meetings, everything. I'd ask a question in a meeting and he would just blank me and pretend I didn't exist and everyone knew. Then things escalate. They're out in public one day and... He just begins yelling at her. It felt, it felt scary. His, his, you know, like I said, his face just—I'll never forget it. He just was so angry and so uh, unreasonable. Jessica says, while this is happening, she doesn't know what to do. I was crying. I was very upset, uh, but I remember being so upset that I didn't actually say much. So. It was mostly him just, you know, this barrage of just anger. Afterwards, Jessica tries to talk to her manager about it to get some advice, but she doesn't get anywhere. And she says the things that were happening to her, they were very much just part of the culture at Sony. You know, there was a consistent theme and it was that they didn't like strong women. They didn't like women who were bright and smart and capable and dynamic and good at what they did. And I remember just observing it and thinking, you know, that if you're a woman, you're treated differently here. Looking back, that was a big reason why I left because no one wants to come to work and and be bullied. No one wants to come to work and be blatantly ignored and discounted. 
just kind of, I guess, without sounding cringe, swept me off my feet. Um, it was just this whole This thing is Rose. Again, that's not her real name. Her voice has also been distorted. In the mid-2000s, she's an executive assistant at Sony. Like Joe, she's a junior woman at the company, excited to be there and taken by this man's charisma. She admires him a lot. But Rose, unlike the other women, begins an affair with this man, the same man. It's consensual, but it's not exactly protocol, given that she's his junior in the workplace. It was just this whole new world of, like, getting to know someone that you worked with that got what was expected of you at work and that you basically got to go along the ride with. Um, At the same time, he was also senior to me, so I was having to do things for him. Their relationship has to be kept secret because he's in a committed long-term relationship with another woman. But, you know, like people... um, When people have affairs, they get swept up in the affair and they realise that they're not being very good at covering their tracks and sometimes they don't really even care. And it really became like that with us. We didn't really care. And this went on for, you know, a good few months. But then he basically ended it with me and it was very abrupt and it was very final. Rose is devastated when he suddenly ends the relationship. She's even more devastated, though, when she realises what the end of the personal relationship means for their professional working relationship. It became then just a series of taunting and cold behaviour and gaslighting. He knew I was more junior to him, so he knew that I had certain things that were expected of me and... um, He could often call on me to do things or he was often told to call on me to do things for him and he took a lot of, um, I think, pleasure in just being cold. Yeah, it changed everything. It changed the way I behaved. It changed the way I looked at myself. It changed the way I um, felt when I was in front of him. I was incredibly self-conscious. I was constantly thinking it was something to do with my appearance or the way I behaved or, yeah, it was just, it was a time, it was a time of inner turmoil, really. Being around this man at work quickly becomes unbearable to Rose. It was so hard for me to function there anymore because he was just everywhere he was. I just would clam up and I couldn't, I couldn't do the work. I just couldn't, it just became more and more intense the longer that I'd been there and it wasn't getting any better. Like Jessica, Rose does tentatively try and fix the situation by asking for help, attempting to speak to the people above her. I would say that to, you know, people in HR, like, I just don't know why he's being so mean to me. And it was just like, oh, well, you know what they say, like, he's just being mean to you. And my general manager would say that's because he's just like that boy at school. Like, you know what you do to the girl that you like, you treat her, you know, you, you pull her pigtails or, you know, you do that. So, you know, just let it go. Like Joe and Jessica... Rose ends up leaving Sony. She says it's a direct result of her experiences with this man. And for many years, she thinks of what happened as heartbreak. She resists seeing it as an experience in which she was taken advantage of, as an abuse of power, because she feels there's not much agency in that. 
But in more recent years, she's reclassified what happened. Actually, there was a total imbalance of, of power in that relationship and what was, what was happening. Yeah, no, he just really abused the situation. There are so many parallels in these three women's stories. One of those is a complete lack of faith in the company's HR processes. They didn't make formal reports because they knew or were warned that it wouldn't go well for them. But since they've left Sony, things have changed. And Rose thinks that this moment in time, the internal investigation that's currently underway at Sony, might be different. She reaches out to the internal investigation. And, you know, it did take a while for me to kind of finally take that step. She's hopeful that the company might finally be taking this kind of behaviour seriously. It was abuse of power, you know, and um, I felt like I needed to be part of that narrative and telling my side of what was going on. And Jessica does the same. I do want things to change, and I think it's things can only change if the people who are responsible or were part of the problem are held to account. She lodges a formal complaint too. What pushed me over the line was that, that the women who work there today, they deserve better. After the break, Sony's response. Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating, visionary, reformer and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House, on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. As a a. 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for the Saturday paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, The Saturday Paper, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. It's now been close to three months since Jessica lodged her complaint to Sony. It's been one month since Rose did the same. When Rose submits her complaint on August 10, she gets this automated response. Please be advised that the coronavirus pandemic may cause delays in responding to you and or conducting an investigation of your concern due to restrictions that make it difficult for some Sony personnel to access the internet and or to contact relevant personnel or potential fact witnesses. Beyond that, Rose hasn't heard anything from Sony. You would think that being one of their staff members that, you know, they would want to take it further and that they would be, I would be one of the people that they would be acting upon really quickly because it didn't didn't involve someone from the past. It involves someone that they're currently working with. So I would feel that there would be a level of urgency as far as that was concerned. But it doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem like it is at this point. Jessica gets the same automatic response. Then, two weeks later, another email saying an investigation will be undertaken into the matters raised. The letter concludes with the line, 
please be aware that, depending on the nature of the investigation, it may take us several months to complete our review. She hasn't heard back since then. In Jessica's case, that means it's been more than two months with no follow-up whatsoever from Sony. They haven't requested any further details from her. They haven't sought out any more information to help their investigation. The silence has been, you know, really deafening. <laughs> and and that, that's, that was surprising to me that there's been no follow-up communications from the Australian or the global business. And Both of these women, they're angry. They don't think Sony is taking things seriously enough. And they wonder, is this man treating other women the same way? And that's, I think, the saddest thing about this is that, you know, there has been all of this horrible um, conduct and that nothing has, has happened as a result or that they haven't even been, you know, pulled up about it or, yeah, that, you know, there's still probably there's women out there that they could be doing it to again. Um, all right, I'm just going to start a Google Doc so we can start putting our list of questions for Sony together. Can you just flick it to me on Slack? Yep, sure. After speaking to these women, I've gone to Sony myself. I asked them about the internal investigation and complaints process. Um, so there's multiple allegations of misconduct, um, including bullying, mm-hmm. verbal abuse... Mm-hmm. Why have complainants not been contacted months after their complaints were lodged? How are the claims being investigated if Sony isn't going to the people who've lodged the complaints for more information? Yeah, I mean, and that's, like, the big question that these women are asking. It's like, how do you investigate a complaint if you're not actually going to the person that the thing happened to Mm. and saying, you know, can you tell me more? Exactly. Has Sony taken any action against the alleged perpetrators who've been named in these complaints, particularly those who still work at the company? I mean, I also think, you know, we should ask them how much faith women can have in the investigation if they're having to wait this long to hear back and if they're not actually, you know, receiving any follow-up. You know, what what's the point of lodging a complaint then? Um, So I think we just have to tell them our deadline is Monday, Mm 5pm. Okay. Um, And that gives us Tuesday to incorporate their response before the episode goes out on Wednesday. All right, cool. Um, All right, well, let's finish this up and then I can send it. I send the questions to Sony, but just like the last time that I reached out to them, they say they don't want to comment. So... What can I do about this person? Can I name him? Legally, I probably can. There are multiple women and there are complaints as evidence. But when I ask these women if they want to name the person that they've lodged the complaint about, they say that they don't. In fact, they've tried to tell their stories in a way that will not only conceal their identities, but will hopefully conceal his too. The way that Jessica puts it to me is there's still fear about what this person might do next. You know, I I don't want to be identified because I don't need that in my life. I don't need that to be something that is part of my story, I suppose. Um, That's one reason. But then I think the 
bigger and more concerning reason is, you know, I don't want anyone to come after me. I certainly don't want to be sued for defamation. You know, that's no, nobody would want that. So the decision that you're making then is to be anonymous and also um, through doing that, not name the person who your stories are about. Um, can you tell me about why you don't want their name to be part of this? I don't want them to come after me in any way and I don't want this person in my life. At one point or another, all three of these women have wanted to point out that they don't think that what they experienced with this man was that bad, that they've all heard even worse stories about Sony, that they don't want it to seem like they think what happened to them is as bad as it gets. I feel almost, like, a bit ridiculous being like, my story is vanilla compared to all of these other stories, even though I know it's not, like, my lived experience is real and the way that he treated me was not okay. Um, you know, there are people who I, I'm sure are grappling with much more and whose experiences would have been far more damaging than mine. Yeah, I think that's a really common way to feel. A lot of people have brought it up with me and, I mean, I've had my own experiences and I've had that same thought of like, well, you know, what's happened to me isn't that bad compared to, you know, the full spectrum of things. I think, yeah, it's really easy to say that to yourself. Women are used to downplaying these experiences, these kinds of gendered experiences. But the reality is being yelled at, being discriminated against, being bullied, that can impact your confidence particularly when it happens early on in your career, when you're junior and they're senior. And while these women say that things weren't that bad, they were bad enough that they all left their jobs, jobs that they loved. And to me, it's the pattern that says so much, because the first time you hear a story about a man, you think, sure, that's bad. But then you hear the second and you start to see the similarities. Then the third comes into focus and it starts to look like a pattern. It's been an interesting like process to go through in, in my mind around understanding why people haven't been named and then, you know, getting more of an understanding around defamation law and all, all this kind of stuff is, you know, it just, all it does is perpetuate the fear that was in the culture in the first place. <laughs> and there are stories that are just... Like, if there are stories out there that are consistent and similar and they're just like yours, it just goes to show how rampant this behaviour was and, and, you know, still is today. So I think, you know, when is that going to happen is my question. Like, when is Universal going to get named? When is when is going to get named? Like, these people, their behaviour is disgusting. So how does anyone get held accountable if no one is ever named? What would real accountability look like? I've been thinking a lot about the way in which we keep relying on individual women to tell their stories, to relay trauma and then to advocate for change. We do that even though we know it doesn't really benefit them, that they've probably already lost their job and speaking could damage their careers even further, 
that they're putting themselves at risk of legal action. And ultimately, can we name him is the wrong question for these women. For them, the question is, is it worth it? And the answer to that, most of the time, is no. It's not. It's too risky. There's so much to lose and so little to gain. It seems like we're trying to fix a structural problem, sexism and misogyny, on an individual level with the burden on survivors. Surely there has to be another way. Join me next week for episode five, the conclusion to Everybody Knows. Everybody Knows is brought to you by 7am and Schwartz Media. The show is produced by Ruby Schwartz. Osman Faruqi and Claire Rawlinson are the executive producers, with special thanks to Madison Connaughton. Eric Jensen is editor-in-chief. Mixing and sound design by Atticus Basto. Our theme music is an original composition by Rainbow Chan. Additional reporting in this series by Ruby Schwartz. Our final episode, episode five, will be in your feed next Wednesday, September 22. Make sure you're following Everybody Knows in your favourite podcast app. And if you want to get in touch, you can contact me over email. Everybody Knows Podcast at protonmail.com. I'm Ruby Jones. Thanks for listening. Sydney Dance Company explodes on stage with Memento. This world premiere by acclaimed choreographer Raphael Bonicella is unmissable contemporary dance. Strictly limited season from the 28th of May to the 8th of June. Book now at sydneydancecompany.com.